I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Small businesses bring Utah together. They inspire goodness and connect communities. These are their stories from Mighty Main Street, brought to you by the Utah Office of Tourism and Visit Salt Lake. Here's our host, Chris Redgrave, on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining our show, Mighty Main Street, the faces and places of Utah. These featured small businesses from Salt Lake County and across the state of Utah drive our economy and develop our main streets, creating a vibrancy and creating jobs. This program is supported by Managing Director of Utah Office of Tourism, Vicki Varela, and CEO Caitlin Eskelson with Visit Salt Lake. I have Matt Caputo here. Matt, thank you so much for joining us with Caputo's Market and Deli. Uh, we were just talking about the fact that this is a multi-generation business. And so it was uh, Tony Caputo, that's your dad's name, who started Caputo's. And how long ago was that, Matt? 22 years ago. Oh, my goodness. No way. I know. That went fast. It sure did. Telling I, me. Yeah. And you were just a little bug when your dad opened this up. <laughs> I bet you have great yeah, stories. Yeah, I was in high school. I've worked there, you know, basically since day one. So, yeah, yeah, we won't say how old you were in case there was some kind of law or, <laughs> labor law, labor law infraction. <laughs> hey, I, I started working in delis when I was five. <laughs> you did not. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't hard labor. It was pr- basically, you know, bagging up ravioli for three bucks an hour. Probably my dad had to do more work watching me than I actually accomplished. But. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, look at this gorgeous work intensity uh, theme that your dad taught you as a youngster. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. And so um, as far as generation in the United States, you were we were just counting on that, too. You're how many generations in the U.S. now of the Caputo family? Yeah, my, my dad's grandparents came over. From, from southern Italy, from Calabria. And so now we have this. That's why we have this incredible Italian food. Tell us about Caputo's <laughs> and your locations, and give us an idea of something fantastic like your incredible meatball sandwiches and why they're so fabulous. So Caputo's is uh, not only a place where you can come get delicious sandwiches for breakfast or lunch, you know, soups and salads and things like that, but we also have a food market, so where you can get specialties like uh, cheeses from all over the world, um, chocolates, salamis, you know, basically an old world sort of specialty food shop. Well, it is, and especially the one downtown. What's the, what's the address of the one downtown, the exact address? It's at 314 West, 300 South, right across from Pioneer Park and near, right near the Greek church there where the Greek Festival is every year. Right, right. And I, I've uh, that's one that I've been to a number of times. And you also have these incredible, to support your point about being old world, you have these incredible items that I have seen in Europe when I have been to Europe, and especially Italy, that are the same platters and plates and cool things that you can get for your kitchen that you have for sale there, don't you? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're our theme is fighting to protect the food traditions of our ancestors. Uh, you know, when the supermarkets got going in the 40s and 50s, it, it really squeezed out a lot of the little corner shops and the amount of different types of traditions we, we found that they were going away. The foods that we knew from our ancestors in, in Italy and my mom in Greece, you know, we just couldn't find as easily anymore. And so Caputo's is all about, you know, finding things that are kind of left out of our food system, some really important traditional foods that we feel is, are worth preserving, that we're really passionate about. And what we really love to do is share that passion. So when you come into Caputo's, you don't, we don't want you to know what you need. We want to introduce you to some things, tell you some stories, give you a sample of something, help you to connect to some of these traditions, not just from Italy and Greece, but from all over the world, because they're worth preserving. By doing that, having that type of offering, you're su- you're being supported, or you're supporting other local vendors, other local chocolatiers oh, yeah. and, and charcuterie. Is that correct? Or do you do all your own charcuterie? No, no, no. We, we support lots of local artisans. You know, we, we think that part of preserving those traditions is supporting that sort of old world style of production with what is, you know, the word's been overused so much that it's almost become meaningless. But what is an artisan? Artisan is someone who works very skillfully with their hands. And that style of food production is something that's very near and dear to us. So we support artisans, you know, if they're producing a delicious cheese, whether it's here in, you know, Ogden, Utah, or, you know, Burgundy, France, we, we, if they are very, very skillful at it, and we think our customers are going to find it really delicious and interesting, we, we want to support that. What do you do with your cave-aged cheese? I've seen that. Mm-hmm. It's like a locker that you have there. Tell us how that works with cheese, because I, I don't quite understand it. Yeah, so we now, we now have two uh, cheese caves. Each one's tailored for different cheeses. And basically, you know, cheeses are living, breathing organisms. The, 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 what makes, you know, milk go to cheese and what it tastes different from, you know, one cheese from a same farm can taste totally different from another cheese from the same farm. And what causes that are starter cultures, you know, which are bacteria, uh, yeasts, molds. So these are the things that make cheese what it is. But oftentimes our food system that is, you know, designed to preserve things for a very, very long time, super cold, super dry, um, that's not what these organisms really like. So what we found is some of the the most traditional cheeses that we were importing from Europe, by the time they got here on those boats, it was it wasn't really reflective of the cheese that they were supposed to be. The things that make them the way they are were, were not healthy. They were dying. They were getting taken over by other things. So we really started the cheese cave to bring those cheeses back to their former health that they were, you know, before they left Europe. And then that kind of transformed into, well, why don't we work with, say, beehive cheese from Ogden or Mesa Farm in, in southern Utah and actually do all the aging for them. So buy the cheese the day it's made and do all the flavor development in-house. So we've got these these two caves for different purposes, different environments where we control humidity, temperature. It's very different from a normal cooler. And, uh, you know, we put these cheeses in there and really transform what they feel like and what they taste like. That's a genius idea. Was that your idea, Tony? Who, who came up with that idea to, to get the cheese when it's first made and go ahead and age it in your own process? That's brilliant. Yeah, that, that was me. I'm a big-time cheese geek, but, you know, kudos to my dad for letting me sink money into that black hole for 10 years before we finally figured it out. But he, he, he really had the, shared the vision and allowed us to invest in that. And now it's, we're, we're really creating some great cheeses 
you know, in the Utah Cheese Awards, we've won Best in Show a couple times and consistently winning golds. I'm really, really proud of the work that's going on in there now. That was uh, that was very smart, Matt, on your part because you certainly saw the cheese wave going on. Uh, is so t- you and Tony work together? Uh, Tony's my dad, and he is retired. I see him all the time, and I'm actually sitting in his car right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> me and my dad are still close. But he he comes, you know, waters the plants. There's light bulbs that mean changing. Um, he's he's our guy. He loves to put in the early morning shift for on the the groundskeeping. That's perfect. Tell us about your clientele, because I know that I was I was sitting downtown talking to some friends, and some other friends walked up, and this guy who was from out of town went to Caputo's, had a meatball sandwich, and was blown away that he could have something like that in Salt Lake City, Utah. So as we start to wrap up, Matt, give us an idea of your clientele. It's a huge mix, and that's what I love about it. You know, I don't... I don't think that Caputo's serves a specific demographic because, you know, what all humans care about the food they eat. We all had, <laughs> you know, grandparents or parents with, with traditions that that remind us of things and resonate with us. And, and, you know, so we, in our lunch line, you can come in our lunch line and see a mix of like, you know, construction workers all the way up to like the governor will be in our, you know, or senator or something like that. And just kind of everything in between. It's, it's men, women, locals, you know, basically every demographic, political leaning, everyone loves food and they love the way that we kind of approach it. You know, it's not about, uh, you know, being uh, some fancy connoisseur that like, you know, is, is, is hoity-toity about it. It's about being excited about things and, and sharing that with people that you like and people that you love. Absolutely. Are you doing any classes now or did you, did you stop that for now? And any, any of so your... that's been one of the greatest pivots that we're most proud of. So we do do in-person classes. We had one last night. Um, so we're still doing them. They look a little different than before. Of course, the tables are much further spread apart, yada, 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 all the safety things that, that we're doing. So those are still going strong. But one of the greatest things is when we couldn't do those is we took it online. You know, we were using Zoom for some of our sales meetings for months and months before COVID came along. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't do classes anymore. So we thought, you know what? These meetings that we have are really actually a great way to connect. What if we send people the food in the mail? Then they can join us on a Zoom and we'll go through the class in the same way that we would in person. And this experience has translated so well. Our online classes are now more popular than ever before. In fact, tomorrow um, I'm talking about to a museum in Los Angeles to put on a class for them. We did a class in conjunction with the Museum of Food and Drink in in New York. And so the we now have an entire uh, staff dedicated just to online classes. And when you join us for an online class, if you're from here in Utah, you're actually going to be in the minority. In the last few classes, we've had more people from New York and California in our classes than we actually have from Utah. Thank you so much, Matt Caputo, owner of Caputo's Market in Delhi. Give us your website address as we close, Matt. Thank you. It's caputos.com. And thank you, Chris. Check out today's business interview using the KSL News Radio app or at kslnewsradio.com. Just click on podcasts. More cool stories on Mighty Main Street here on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.